BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You and Betty and the Nancys and Bills and Joes and Janes will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life. Hey, welcome to Inquiring Minds. I'm Indre Viscontis. This is a podcast that explores the space where science and society collide. We want to find out what's true, what's left to discover, and why it matters. Well, with wildfires raging up and down the West Coast, California, Oregon, Washington, San Francisco being encased in smoke so much so that you couldn't even see the sun at noon. And with parts of the Gulf Coast being bombarded by hurricanes and tropical storms, I feel like it's never been more obvious that we need to really worry seriously about climate change and its effects, at least here in the U.S. But instead of talking to scientists, I thought it might be interesting to talk to an artist. In fact, the founder of an organization called Climate Music. Stephen Crawford is a San Francisco-based artist who founded this project as a way of using music and science together to generate action. And I thought it was a really compelling idea and a compelling set of projects. And so I wanted to share some of that music and my conversation with Stefan with you. In addition to being an artist, he holds a Master of Arts in Law and Diplomacy and a Master of Science in Environmental Management. Stephen Crawford, welcome to Inquiring Minds. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about what kind of led you to create climate music and that project? And, you know, what, what's your origin story? Well, uh, the origin story here is a deep sense of frustration. I am um, a little bit of a hybrid. I've got a background in public service, but also in the arts, both music and fine art. And then I also have a Master of Science. And I've long been interested in and very touched by uh, sort of human interaction with the natural world. And um, I actually did my first, very first climate event when I was in grad school back in 1988. I helped to organize a roundtable on the issue. And, you know, you fast forward till 2014 when I started thinking about this project. And, you know, we, we clearly still hadn't come nearly far enough. And so I had just finished an MS in environmental management with a focus on environmental science and I've had a studio practice, an art studio practice for a number of years before that. I started, I opened my studio here in 2006. And I thought, well, why not try to combine the two to somehow express the frustration or or deal with the frustration that I was feeling. And initially the project was going to be, was going to be a kinetic sculpture. 
uh, that through its sort of movements would 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 spark some insight about, uh, for for example, the the carbon cycle. And I was in my studio one day, kind of banging a metal rod against uh, my workbench. And as I was thinking about how I would do it, my mind focused on uh, the rhythm of the banging of the of, of the metal rod. And I thought, well, why not use music to do this? And that's how the project started. So I think you know one of the things that's really hard about people sort of understanding climate change is the scale at which it happens. And I think music is kind of uniquely positioned to create an interesting kind of data, you know, visualization, I guess is the wrong word, but um, auditorization, I don't know, <laughs> of, of uh, and helping us understand that. So can you can you speak a little bit to sort of either, you know, specific musical pieces and, and at what have they tried to show in terms of climate change or just more generally how music can do this? Well, so really, um, you know, our focus is on not so much on teaching people about climate science. It's more about communicating the urgency of action on the climate crisis. And we do that through what we call uh, science guided music. Let me let me stress that we are fully in the domain of the arts. What we do is art, uh, not science, but it's art that is directly informed by science. And it's art that also comes into being through a very interactive process between a composer and one or more of our scientists. And so typically each piece that we work, and we, 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 were now, we now have a portfolio of three pieces. We're just uh, work, beginning work on number four and five, and then we've got a pipeline out into next year with a number of other new pieces. And each piece looks at a different aspect of the issue. So for example, one of, one of our uh, compositions or co that we've co-created it's called Icarus in Flight, and it looks at human, the human drivers. What are humans doing to uh, influence uh, this problem or to, to create the problem? Another piece called Climate looks at the impacts of those human activities within the climate system itself. We have another piece now, because the third piece is called What If We, and that looks at sea level rise and what's happening um, with uh, you know, sort of how is, how is, human-induced climate change affecting sea level rise. And then we're about to start a new piece that's going to look at solutions. Uh, how can we model what a better, better path would look like? And we're also about to start one on biodiversity and how the climate crisis affects life on Earth. So um, is it okay if we play an excerpt from Icarus and Flight, uh, the one that you have on, on your website for our listeners to, to hear? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Person Flight is, is the piece that, that is by Richard Festinger, composer Richard Festinger, in collaboration with the Climate Music Project. It looks at the human drivers of the climate crisis, uh, three human drivers in particular, population growth, um, fossil fuel use, and then how humans are, are transforming the, the, the natural landscape. And the composer, um, the, the, the piece runs about 30 minutes and, and sort of takes us on a journey from the year 1880 to the present, and then from the present looks into the future at two different possible uh, scenarios, all the way out to 2080, the year 2080. Um, and it's a really interesting piece. It's, 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 it's a chamber music piece, as you can hear. 
Um, and it, 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 it models the data in three ways, basically. So we use a, a, a process called parameter mapping, where basically uh, analogs within the music play the role of the different data variables. So for example, in this particular case, population uh, is, is represented by the density of musical events over time. So as the population grows from 1880 to the present and then into the future as it's modeled, the music sounds more crowded. Uh, and then uh, we have fossil fuel use, uh, fossil fuels. Uh, that's represented by the pitch and pitch going both up and down. So if you think of the piece beginning in the middle of a, of a piano keyboard, say middle, middle C, that, that over time, as, as our fossil fuel emissions increase, the pitch will both uh, go up and down to ex this extreme ends of the keyboard. So by the time we get to the future, uh, you know, around 2050, 60, 70, you'll hear really high and really low pitches. And then finally, land use change is represented by unusual playing uh, effects. Uh, so for example, so Ponticello and, 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 and Pizzicato and Tremolo. Uh, and so as, as humans transform an increasing percentage of, of the Earth's natural landscapes, you'll start to hear the music being peppered more and more and more by these unusual playing techniques. And the final movement, which is the one that looks into the future, it toggles back and forth between the two uh, scenarios for the future. One scenario looks at essentially what, what, what would the outcome be if we did very little to address the climate crisis. And the other one looks at what would the difference be if we actually took active and aggressive action now And there's a real difference in the music and it toggles back and forth. It creates this tension in the, in the, in, in the listener that's a very deeply intuitive tension that I think has a really, a really profound impact on people. It's a beautiful piece and it's a very powerfully emotional piece. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So we know that, um, you know, music can have a, a profound effect on, on our emotions. And I, I'm wondering, you know, how it is when you're working with the composers and the scientists that they are able to create this like such a, a strong emotional experience. You know, a lot of people think of scientists as being unemotional, which of course is not true. <laughs> um, but I wonder if you could speak a little bit to that process of um, dialogue between scientist and composer and like what happens and, and what are the most successful kind of partnerships in that way that you've seen? What do you, can, can you describe what the elements of them are? Maybe if I can, I'll, I'll just tell you the story of, of how the actual project really got together. I mean, once, once I had the idea about the project, I made a few very crude models on GarageBand, showed it to some friends who were encouraging, and then I decided uh, with one other person who was uh, started the project as well, that we wanted to really take it up in a, a notch and see if we could actually um, do a, a hack day with a composer and a few scientists and it was really interesting because I researched a number of composers um, and I was looking for someone who had experience with collaborations. Uh, and that person turned out to be Eric Ian Walker. And then I also was looking for a couple of scientists just to test this out. I ran across a young researcher uh, over at Cal named uh, Andy Jones. And um, he immediately said, I'd love to, I'd love to experiment, do this experiment with you. Uh, and then he brought along his then boss, uh, Bill Collins, who was also very intrigued. And what we did essentially is we had a day where we had them all come to the studio. Eric brought a few musicians and we essentially, they, they arrived at nine, we locked the door, we had some food in there for them. And we just basically said they had never met. And we said, we said except Bill and Andy, and we said, okay, here's what we're gonna do. It's nine o'clock, you know, the food is laid out for you. There's a restroom down the hall. At five o'clock, a test audience is going to come and you're going to perform a piece that you'll compose over the next eight hours. It was a real risk because it could have really been a horrible uh, car crash. It could have been terrible. It could have really just been crash and burn. But we lucked out because it turned out that Eric has a very ordered and scientific mind, although he's very much a, a wonderful artist. He's also got a very um, inquiring mind and he's not afraid of data. And then both Eric and Andy, although they're very hardcore scientists, have the souls of artists. And so, and so luckily, it was, it, they just congealed into a team immediately, and it was, it was beautiful. And at, the audience came at 5 o'clock, and there were tears in the audience as, as they played this 20-minute piece. And on the basis of that, we decided we just have to actually now see what we can do with this. Um, and so really it does, it does come down to, you know, the selection process a bit because, you know, let's just face it, this is not, we're asking artists to create music essentially in a little bit of a straitjacket because although the artist's voice is front and center, we are looking to create music, as I said, not science. This is something that needs to resonate with the audiences that we are presenting this, this, this art to. And so that's really important that they feel like they have that artistic license. Um, but at the same time, they have to work with within certain boundaries that are set by the scientists. And then the scientists need to um, be willing to also go through this process and, and listen to the inspiration that the artist brings. Um, and what's, what, what we found so far is that these sessions and 
the three pieces we've done, there have been, you know, lots, a lot of really fascinating uh, meetings. Because what will typically happen is that we'll set a, a cadence of meetings and then uh, progressively we'll go uh, from, you know, just sort of data prep and pulling the, the scientific story together, uh, conveying that scientific story to the artist, have the artist then go and mull over what could, that, what could be done with that musically, and then the process becomes of the artist presenting ideas to the scientists and then the scientists working with the artist to sort of tweak things and to make sure that the science and the idea of this urgency that we want to convey within this particular story we're telling really comes through. And that's, that's a very fascinating process because that's also not a – there's a lot of um, – there's an art there to it because, for example, in the first piece, Climate, Eric's piece – the question came up is, well, you know, how, what should a two degree warmer world sound like? And of course, there's no, there's no objective answer what a two degree warmer world should sound like. But what the scientists knew and what they know, uh, just by, by virtue of the fact that they study this and they, 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 they understand the bigger systems and how these changes are likely to impact our natural systems, they, they know that a two degree warmer world would be fundamentally different than what, the one we've got the one that where human civilization was able to develop over the Holocene, a period in which the climate was relatively stable. Um, and now we're moving into unknown territory in two degrees, uh, and which is, you know, that, that, that basically, uh, you know, where we're certain, almost certainly heading is, is will be a fundamentally different ballgame. And so, you know, the, what was important was for, if, Eric, if we had left it to Eric to say, Eric, just take this data, and then, and then just, just you know, look at the curve and then write a piece of music based on this curve, he would have missed a lot of the important uh, nuance about what the data actually means because he doesn't have that background. And so the, the working with the scientists, the scientists were able to show Eric this point where, you're, where we're modeling the two-degree point, this should be really much more significant than it's currently sounding because the world would be a much different place. And so that, that's, that's where the insight of the scientists really are important. And that's why we don't do, what's, we don't do straight sonification, because I think you, know, you would miss a lot of the important meaning behind the data if you just turn data into sound. It's interesting, too, so that what we heard was this chamber music piece, um, but that's not the only kind of instrumentation that you guys have used or stuck to. So you're, the, the one after that um, was jazz and spoken word. So can you speak a little bit to kind of the choice then of the genre is that, as it sort of matches the, the um, climate issue? Well, yeah, you know, we didn't really make a conscious choice. What we do is we're really looking to reach out to um, musicians of many types. You know, as you know, uh, certainly music is a universal language, but it has many dialects. And so, and so, you know, one piece of music is not going to do it for everybody. And so we really are looking to uh, help, help, help really creative artists to create this music in their own voice in the, in the genre in which they work for their own fan bases and communities. And we ran across this one band, Copus, Wendy Loomis and Royal Kent are the, are the creative um, uh, sort of voices behind that band. And that was the genre they were working in. And they, we, we love what they did. And uh, we thought, well, let's, let's see what we can do with your music. And, um, you know, the, the, the sea level rise, story was one that we had pretty much ready and so they were they were keen to try that one out and so that's how that actually happened but it's more you know we're really more interested in in, in making sure that that 
we reach broad and diverse audiences in every style of music. So in, in the past, what are some of the action items that you have asked your audience, if, if any, to sort of do after they have experienced either the performances or, or recording? Well, you know, the way we look at it, the climate crisis is a symptom of, uh, it's not a monolithic problem, it's a symptom of the very dysfunctional way that we've organized both our society and our economy. And in that regard, whether you're working on the food system or, you know, I mean, on women's, women's rights and health, that's all related ultimately to the same underlying problems. Um, but, you know, just to, just to, so we have a group of what we call action partners. These are organizations that can help people learn more about the issue, that can help them take action at home, help them take action across society or build community around the issue. And so we typically will, will try to have um, representatives of those organizations on site or at least make it very easy for our audiences to connect to them. But the basic bottom line is, is simple. If, if you don't know anything about the issue, learn more. If you uh, already know a little about the issue, then start doing what you can at home. And if you already are doing a lot on the issue, then bring other people into the conversation. So those are the those are the three very basic takeaways that we would ask our audiences. And so you also have a, a branch or a section of your um, organization that is is designed to sort of bring climate music to schools um, or to the digital realm. Can you describe a little bit about sort of um, what the current projects are there or what the plans are for the future? Yeah, so that's still um, pretty aspirational. Uh, we have not quite gotten there yet, although um, for the last three years, we've been collaborating closely with the San Francisco Conservatory of Music through their Technology and Applied Composition program. And we've been, for the last three years, working with a, a cohort of students in the spring semesters to have them work with one of our scientists and, and, and uh, create their own versions of climate music. And it's been really fascinating and also very gratifying to see how with, with the energy and the creativity with which these young composers have uh, taken on the challenge. And, you know, some of the some of the things they've come up with have been just fabulous, I have to say. And, and this is why I think personally that this type of bringing, coming together of art and science is so powerful, because when you bring these really creative individuals into a room and put them together, wonderful things can happen that that I would never have thought of, certainly. So what does the future look like for, for climate music? What, what are your sort of, I mean, I, I know that in the, the biodiversity piece also includes uh, animation element. So are you looking more towards making this an audiovisual experience or is that like a one-off for that project? What do you see in the future? Oh, I should actually say that's an important point. I should also say that so far, all of our pieces do have a, vi a visual component, uh, visual references. The idea there is not to have the visuals compete with the music, but just to have the visuals provide a few references. We like to do that, actually. We, th we do think it does help the audience sort of put themselves in time and place. You know, our, our goal now is to really reach out and to um, sort of democratize the process by working with, you know, rather than creating climate music in San Francisco and then taking it on the road, our goal now is to enable really creative artists, composers, wherever they are, um, to create their own versions of this music for their own communities and fan bases. And so um, we're beginning this process. Our current collabor collaborators are not in San Francisco. They're both in, in Los Angeles. And um, we're talking with people who are even, we're talking with one composer now who's in the UK. Um, and so we're really looking to, to make this um, more of a place-based 
project where we can really reach people in their own communities rather than having to take it on the road. So where can people find you? And what can they do to help? So they can find us at climatemusic.org. Uh, please sign up, subscribe um, to our mailing list. Also, we have a, um, a, a YouTube channel now, which you can find us just on YouTube, Climate, Climate Music. Uh, we're also on, on all the other uh, social media platforms as well. And we just launched a podcast called Climate Vibes, which you can find on Spotify and also um, YouTube as well, and then also on Apple Music, I think it's on uh, as well. Stefan Crawford, thank you so much for being on Inquiring Minds. This was fun. Thank you so much. So that's it for another episode. Thanks for listening. And if you want to hear more, don't forget to subscribe. If you'd like to get an ad-free version of the show, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash inquiringminds. I want to especially thank David Noel, Herring Chang, Sean Johnson, Jordan Millar, Kyle Raihala, Michael Galgool, Eric Clark, Yushi Lin, Clark Lindgren, Joel, Stefan Meyer-Ewald, and Charles Blyle. Inquiring Minds is produced by Adam Isaac. I'm your host, Indre Viscontis. See you next week. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.